You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 15. Word to your mother. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening today, wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this show today a part of your day, especially if it's your first time listening. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and listening and taking the time to uh, to let me in your life a little bit today. If you're coming back, thanks for coming back. I appreciate you so much being a part of the podcast listening audience, as well as the Longer Hall community as a whole. Uh, it really means a lot, and I appreciate it very, very much. All the show notes today and links mentioned, resources mentioned today, you can find in the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 015, thelongerhall.com slash episode 015. Five. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jody Livingston and over on the Facebook with the Longer Hall. If you uh, you may notice today, man, my voice sounds a little funky. I don't know if you can tell that or not listening, but man, my allergies are giving me a run here uh, lately. So my voice, my throat's pretty scratchy, and uh, been teaching uh, quite a bit lately as well, talking a lot. So all those things together are not playing nice for for my voice. But we will make it today. We will make it through today. Uh, I've got some, what I'm going to share today is really important. Um, I'm going to give you the things that I wish I would have done differently when I first started in youth ministry. So if I could back up the clock and go back 15, 16 years ago when I first became a youth pastor, uh, I'm going to tell you what I would do differently if I could go back and, and do that differently. And I think this stuff's real simple, real practical. And uh, unfortunately, I think I learned most of these lessons the hard way. And so hopefully you can either resonate if you're a veteran and been around for a while, um, or if you're just kind of starting out in youth ministry, maybe this kind of serve as a warning and a helpful guide for you as you begin your youth ministry journey. Before we jump into that, I want to thank today's sponsor, which is audible.com. Huge resource in my life. It's the reason I recommend it on the podcast. It's the reason it's on the resource page on thelongerhall.com with all the other resources there. It really is, for me, very, very helpful. And for listeners of The Longer Hall, they are offering a free month and a free download of any book out of their 150,000 books that they have on there, especially with summer coming. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time on buses and planes and whenever going to camp and mission trips and things like that. And it's, it's really helpful. It's nice. I like to have the books to be able to listen to. Um, if nothing else, it gives me an excuse to put in headphones and ignore the chaos that seems to... No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I don't do that. But anyway, great resource for you. You can head over to thelongerhall.com slash audible trial, thelongerhall.com slash audible trial, and grab your free month and free download there. Choose from any book you want. Uh, you can even pick from the books, that, those books that I recommend. They're on the blog, the top five books I recommend for youth workers. Uh, some great, great resources, great books out there. I love Audible. I use it all the time, and uh, I definitely read way more having that as a resource at my disposal. So let's jump in here. 
a little bit today and talk about if I could go back and start over, what would I do differently? Let me let me say this. I became a youth pastor at 18 years old, which is insane. Okay. My youth group consisted of about five kids. It was a very small church. And uh, I had a kid in my youth group who was like a year younger than me. And I was supposed to be his youth pastor. And um, he was great. And uh, in the end, God taught me a ton through that. But there were definitely some things I did wrong, being 18, not really knowing. We had never had a youth pastor really growing up in the church I grew up in. We just had a a lot of volunteer youth leaders and youth workers. I'm so grateful for those people. And even when I meet a volunteer youth worker, youth leader, youth pastor today, man, I'm so grateful for that and for them. And if that's you, man, I applaud you so much for, um, for the way you serve and love on students, teens, parents, and families, and you run towards those that others are running from, and you're not even getting paid to be there, which is amazing, and um, and it definitely speaks to your heart for teens and your love for Jesus and wanting to see God really do something amazing in their life. Um, but at 18, I was just making stuff up. I've talked about that before and certainly burned a lot of bridges along the way. I was really passionate at 18, and that was often probably misunderstood, to be fair, um, and rightly so. I tended to uh, open my mouth a lot when I maybe shouldn't have. And so I'm going to just give you a few things that I would do differently if I could go back. And when I sit down with a new youth pastor or youth worker, somebody who's just beginning in youth ministry, these are some of the things that I really try to emphasize to them and tell them to be mindful of and to do pretty early on. And and the first one is this, and this is by far the number one thing that I recommend to youth pastors. And I've written about this on thelongerhall.com as well. If I could go back, one of the main things I would do, I would find a mentor. I would find somebody who's further down the line than me, and I would probably make sure that that was not my pastor. Um, and I had a phenomenal pastor. I still have a great relationship with him. Even here all these many years later, we still talk quite a bit. He was super supportive, extremely encouraging, very wise. He gave me really good counsel. I think every, almost every youth pastor that I know and me wants to be mentored and invested in. And they typically look to their pastor to do that. And I think it's important just to recognize that maybe your pastor uh, is probably not the best person to mentor you, necessarily, excuse me, necessarily the best person to mentor you. I think that um, we underestimate how much is on our pastor's plate and the pressure that they're under and all the things that they're trying to manage. And I think in most cases, even I'll even say this, I think most cases pastors would love to be able to invest in their staff more. I just think they're maybe not able in a position always, and there are some who can, but they're not always in a position to be able to do it to the extent that the staff would like or the youth pastor would like. And so I would definitely encourage you to go find a mentor. And if you don't have one yet, that should be at the top of your list. And it could be somebody near you. It could some. It could be somebody who's not near you at all. Um, and find somebody who's kind of further down the road, who's doing well in ministry, who will commit to to just mentoring you. And that can look differently um, 
depending on your schedule and their schedule location. I know for me, um, typically I've mentored youth pastors and that generally has happened kind of over a Skype call once a month and just kind of texting an email and uh, conversation. In fact, you've, if you've been around the podcast or if you've not heard yet, uh, back in episode three, David Leroy was on the podcast. David's a phenomenal youth pastor. Um, great, great guy. Super heart for Jesus and the students that he serves. And David's actually somebody that uh, was introduced to me by some friends and kind of became uh, somebody that I mentor and have, have mentored um, kind of from from that point. And really for the first year, he and I were really um, talking a lot. We were really working through a lot of the things, trying to make sense uh, of what he was doing and where he was to kind of get him heading in the right direction. And and then he kind of got on his feet a little bit. And, and so we still talk quite a bit, not nearly as much as I would like. Um, but, you know, probably once a month or so, we're still chatting and talking um, from time to time and working through some things. But having a mentor would have helped me so much because I didn't really know what I was doing for one. But beyond that, I didn't really have any way to know what was coming. And had I had somebody there to be able to bounce some things off of, prior to making some of the decisions that I made and doing some of the things that I did would have been really helpful. And as things came my way, in the last episode, we talked about certain seasons of your ministry. There's certain things and benchmarks that are going to come. And had I had a mentor to be able to tell me, hey, look, this is normal. This is expected. It would have really helped me tremendously in in my ministry. And so, you know, I don't know what your situation is like, but I, I think regardless of whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, in ministry for 15 years, or in ministry for five months, you need to be seeking out. You should have somebody along the way pouring in, investing in you, and mentoring in you. And maybe that's a formal mentorship where you approach somebody and ask them to kind of step in and be a mentor to you. Or honestly, with today, you may not have somebody right like that right now and something like a, this podcast or uh, a you know a a blogger that you follow or, or something like that could serve kind of as a mentor to you. And to be honest, that's such a huge part of my heart for youth pastors that my approach on the longer haul, whether it's the blog, whether it's the podcast, the courses that we offer, all of that really, my approach to that is typically to do that as if I were mentoring another youth pastor. And so I try to keep it very practical, very, uh, very general in, in some sense, but there are certain principles I think that kind of carry all across to every uh, ministry, regardless of culture and regardless of location, regardless of size. And so we really try to focus on those things here. But having said that, it's better to have someone that you can consistently talk to because listening to the podcast is really helpful, I hope at least, and reading the blog posts are really helpful. But you need to be able to have kind of a two-way conversation there and so I would highly recommend if you do not have a mentor uh, seeking that out. And so just some practical steps to, to find that is reach out to folks that you know and just ask. And if they have time, uh, then then they, they may be willing to do that. I would be very specific, though, with what you're looking for um, and what you're expecting from a mentor if you are the one asking, because you have in your in your head this idea of what you think a mentor should be, 
and they may have a different idea of what you're asking of them. And so by being specific, they can be realistic with the time commitment that they may or may not have to be able to make to you right now um, and whether or not they think they're the best person to help you. So be specific, but don't be afraid to ask folks. And really, I would just start by praying um, for wisdom on that and praying that God would bring somebody into your life and um, certainly that, that he would kind of show you some uh, some direction in that and where to go. I would look around you as well, wherever you're located. Maybe there's a youth pastor, you know, kind of near you that's a little older and further down that you could meet with, maybe a town over or something like that even. But you've got to be intentional to find uh, a mentor. It will help you more than anything else in your ministry. And I would be really wise about that. Um, don't don't just go look for somebody who has a bigger youth ministry and decide you want to be mentored by them because that doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy ministry. It could be. Um, but you need a mentor. So number one, if I could go back and start over again, I would find uh, a mentor. Second is this. I would have started with the end in mind. I would have started with the end in mind. And that may have been difficult to do, to be totally honest, um, at least with the clarity that I can or could do now, having been doing this for, for all these years now. But I would have at least started with some goals that I wanted to achieve five years down the road. Um, and I didn't have that. So there, or I, I probably, I probably did to some degree, but I never really sat down, wrote them out, mapped them out, and specifically like thought through those things and how to accomplish those things. I just wanted students who loved Jesus and who would share their faith. Um, I wanted to just deepen their faith. I wanted to grow their understanding and knowledge. And, and, and all those things were were good, but they were never clearly articulated. So it made it really difficult for me to to have a focus. And here here's where here's how that plays out. If you don't have those, then it's impossible for you to really clearly communicate and articulate to leaders that you may have what it is that you're trying to accomplish. It makes it difficult or impossible for you to communicate to parents what you have or what you're trying to do as well. Um, and that that is huge. You've got to be able to do that. And certainly what happens is you you have no singular focus or direction. And so you do what I did. You just make everything up and you try everything you can think of just to do it. If it sounds fun, you're going to do it. If it's, you know, whatever that is, you're, you're going to be kind of random all over the place and you're not going to be as laser focused and as efficient as you could be. So starting with the end in mind really helps. And then you work backwards. So you say, hey, okay, five years from now, this is where I want to be. Three years from now, this is where I want us to be a year and a half or a year in, two years. And then, and then kind of six months, you set those kind of mini goals that are attainable and realistic in that. And that will help. That would have helped me uh, a ton starting out. And when when Nate Turner was on the podcast, that's one of the things that we talked about there in establishing vision um, for your ministry. And how do you come up and craft vision um, for your ministry? What do you do um, to, to be able to kind of identify those things and know what those things are and be able to be in a position where you can articulate those things? Because if you don't have that, then you're just kind of going to flounder. You're just kind of going to make it up and, and you're not really going to be able to, um, to really have any direction or focus on 
on what you're trying to accomplish. So if I could, if I could go back and start over again, uh, I'd find a mentor. First of all, that would be um, number one, and, I, and that's always the first thing I tell um, youth pastors. And then I would start. I would start with the end in mind. I would at least have an idea of where I was heading and what I was trying to accomplish. So if you've not yet done that either, go back, listen to the episode with Nate uh, Turner on crafting vision and follow the steps. He did a great job of laying that out for everybody, um, kind of walking you through that. And and you can see how how that plays out. So I think episode six, so you can go to longerhole.com slash episode 006 and hear Nate Turner talk about that and um, and walk through that. But at least have have a goal, have have the end in mind of what you're trying to accomplish and have something to work for it. Okay. Third is this. I would have slowed down. I would have slowed down. And having the end in mind helps you slow down. Having those kind of goals and mile markers set helps you to be able to slow down. If you don't know where you're heading, everything feels frantic and everything feels urgent. And in youth ministry, this is really difficult because you recognize that there is a time limit here on how long you have these students in your ministry. At best, if your youth ministry runs 6th through 12th grade, you're only looking at seven years. And they are the most important years of development as far as someone's faith. And that's if you're in charge of all of the student ministry. You may just be the middle school pastor, or you may just be the high school pastor, or you may have seventh through eighth, and you only have sixth. You know, so those those years can fluctuate. The time that you have can fluctuate. When you're new coming in, especially, you don't have all of that time with all those students because some of them are going to graduate out, and so you're only going to be able to invest in them for a shorter period of time until you've been there long enough to see those classes come all the way through your ministry. So um, I think what happens is when we we get in there, we get a little frantic, especially me. Like I was so young, so passionate. Man, I was an idiot. I did all kinds of stuff that, that I shouldn't have done. And so we kind of come in, typically we want to hit the ground running. We make all kinds of changes and we we just burn a ton of bridges that folks, uh, uh, with folks along along the way. And so making sure that you understand the church, the politics of the church, the polity of the church, the the character of the church, the culture of the church, who is what, and being able to navigate and successfully lead people, students, it takes some patience and it takes, it takes pace. You know, a key part of leadership, which again is something I think that we I've written about on the blog is the pace of which you lead. If you lead too fast, you burn people out. You lead too slow, people get frustrated because they don't feel like you're doing anything. So you've got to temper that. And typically, when you're first starting out in a ministry, the danger is that you go too fast. And if I could go back and start over there in, in that very first ministry role, I would have slowed down a lot. Um, and I would, have, I would have taken my time. I would have been more intentional. I would have been more patient with what we were doing and how we were doing it. And I would have um, not rushed in so quickly to be able to do that, allowing parents to be involved 
you know, if you slow down a little bit, you, you're able to include parents more in your ministry. You're able to include, include your leaders and your team uh, into your ministry, and you're just able to be more effective in your ministry as a whole, ministering to the families as a whole, ministering to students as a whole, ministering to your, to your leaders as a whole. And so slow down, slow down. I think oftentimes we fail to recognize the impact and the influence that we can make in a student's life over the longer haul, like over a period of years down the road. And we, we also probably fail to recognize the damage that we can do in a short term by trying to do too much too fast. And so I would definitely, definitely would have slowed down more. So I found a mentor, first of all, uh, I would have um, started with the end in mind. I would have slowed down. And then fourth, I would have, this is, this is a hard one. Are you ready? I would have listened more and I would have talked less. Ooh, I still struggle with that. Still struggle with that. I'm not going to, I mean, I'll just be transparent with you. I think this is really hard for, for folks in ministry because in some ways we're, we're paid to talk, right? I mean, I'm paid to teach. I'm paid to counsel. I'm expected. My job, even if I wasn't being paid, if I was a volunteer, my job, my, the expectation of my role is to speak and to counsel and to give advice. And so how do, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, how do we do that? It, man, that's a, that's a struggle. Um, that's a struggle. And, and here's how this plays. <laughs> we say this, I say this all the time. You know, I was an expert on marriage until I got married. I was an expert on parenting until I got parent, until I became a parent. I was an expert on being a youth pastor until I became a youth pastor. Uh, you know, I think the tendency is we make assumptions that we could do things better when we're not yet there. And we, we just shoot our mouth off so many times and we speak, um, out, out of turn. And so, you know, especially when I was starting out, I was super young, so there was a lot of insecurities there that I didn't recognize necessarily. I felt like I really needed to have all those answers. I felt like I really had, there was a pressure on me to get it done. And, you know, I, I don't know the answer to your question was not in my vocabulary. And I didn't feel like it was okay for me to say that. And so I was, I was always talking. Um, and if I had just slowed down, and if I had taken the time to listen more and talk less, uh, I would have been way more effective. I, I would have probably learned about the needs that our families really had, that the, f- the needs that our students really had, where they really were struggling, my, my leaders, where they really were struggling, and I wouldn't have made so many assumptions. I probably would have been able to counsel students much more effectively um, I would have been able to um, learn so much quicker and so much more that would have helped me down the road in in my ministry. And instead, I, I just spent all my time giving answers, and most of the time, I didn't really take time to even listen to the question, maybe. And so, you know, evaluate your heart on that. Where If you were to look at your own life and your own ministry, do you really spend more time talking or listening? When somebody comes to you for advice or for counsel or for help, how well do you do at listening? 
Or are you sitting there the whole time waiting for them to stop talking so that you can give them the solution to their problems before you've even heard them? And uh, I think oftentimes we just fail to listen. And the, the, the really the danger in that is that when you fail to listen and you're just, you're, you're talking too much or you're just not listening, it really just gives way for miscommunication and misunderstanding. And that can sabotage your ministry so quickly that, you know, someone is really trying to, to share their heart with you. And, and here's, here's how this plays out a lot. Okay. Somebody comes to you with a concern about the ministry. And it could be something that you've said, something that you've taught, something that you're doing, something that you're not doing, because, you know, everybody knows how to do your ministry better than you do. And we get really defensive really quickly, and we we don't really take time to stop and listen and consider that there might be some validity to that. You know, regardless of who the person is, we just kind of dismiss it before it even begins. And so we're just going to spend all of our time telling them why they're wrong, or in some cases, we just ignore it altogether. And sometimes where I've seen it, it, in the case of a leader, I've seen that happen in other ministries where a leader comes with valid concerns or questions and they're, they're either dismissed and ignored or they're just told they can't really work with the youth anymore because they, they kind of questioned the authority, so to speak. And, you know, we've got to really safeguard that because as much as, as much as we hate criticism and as much as we don't like to hear that side of things, that can be really helpful for helping you grow in your ministry and grow as a youth pastor, grow as a believer. If no one ever tells you what you're doing wrong, or if no one ever tells you what the perception is of things that are going wrong, then you cannot correct those things. And if you fail to correct those things, eventually, eventually, that's going to catch up to you and you're going to lose that ministry. Or you're going to become so frustrated that you'll gladly give that ministry up and move on and jump to the next church. And the same problem will happen there over and over and over. It'll repeat. And so being mindful of that and listening so much more than you're speaking is very, very helpful. One of the things that I have done over the years is develop a parent leadership team which is a team of parents from our ministry that have students of all varying ages that serve as an advisory team to me. This is not my job description. It was not a church thing. It was something that I set up. And uh, so it's just a, an advisory board for me to help evaluate our ministry on an ongoing basis, support and pray for me. Um, and it's and I can get I can bounce things off of them and get their opinions on things. When we started this, and even now, it, it's parent-led, so there's a lead parent who takes charge of that. I, I'm there as a listener in those meetings, a participant. It's, if I have things that I would like to be discussed in that, I bring that, I send that to the lead parent, and and then we kind of talk about that. And part of the reason that that happened is because I wanted to be able to hear from parents. If, if we're really serious, if I... My my conviction fell down to this, okay? If I'm really serious about partnering with parents, then I need to give parents a, a, a voice into the ministry. So the parent leadership team started, and it's something that we've continued in the ministry that we're serving in now. We've done this now for a, a couple of places. Intentionally, the parents that are on that team are ones that will be very outspoken. Not, not critical, not 
um, not demeaning. They're not going to be divisive. They're they're going to be supportive. They love Jesus. They have a solid walk with Christ, but they have um, they have a strong investment in the ministry because they have kids there, and they're not going to be afraid to tell me their opinion. And I want them to be able to tell me when they feel like we're in error. That allows me to correct and readjust. And they are my biggest supporters in the ministry. They champion the ministry more than anybody else. And so it's been a really huge, huge benefit for me to do that. And look, you're list, if you're listening to that, you don't have that, you've never done that, it sounds a little scary maybe to come into a group of parents that uh, you're just, you're not in charge of that meeting necessarily, that they're kind of running that for you. And, uh, you know, the dynamics of that meeting are really important and the dynamics of that group are really important and, and who is on there is really important. And so um, it's, it's a team of folks that I trust and love. Some of them teach for me as part of our youth leaders and part of our team. Others are not. They just are parents. And so our parent leadership team right now is made up of six couples, and they rotate um, off every few years. So we bring new folks in and new folks on. doesn't mean they can't come back on and serve again in the future. But every year a lead parent is selected. They set the meeting times and the agenda um, and send all that out. And then I I just show up and listen. And and so we, we've walked through some things. We evaluate certain aspects of the ministry. And they help really help me see areas, blind spots in my life and in my ministry where uh, where I may not see them. And I love that group so much. It is becoming just an incredible close group. And uh, we've laughed together. We've cried together. We, we just, it's just a tremendous blessing to me. But I would not have done, I did not do that when I first started out. I, I saw, whether I would admit it or not, I, I saw parents kind of as the problem and I was going to fix it. And so I've learned through the years that that, that was really dumb very foolish of me. And so the parent leadership team for us now where we are has been a tremendous blessing. And I'm, I'm super excited uh, to have those folks part of our ministry and part of our life. And, you know, if you haven't done that, I would highly encourage you to do that. We've got a job description that we kind of put together for them as we recruit and ask those folks. We form that committee now. And, and so for a few years now, several years now, that, that committee's been in place. And, um, man, I can't tell you how helpful um, that that has been for our ministry and for me. And it causes me to listen, causes me to slow down and to speak less and to listen. And so I, I like to take a lot of notes in those meetings if, if possible. Um, but that has been a, a super helpful thing for me. Okay, here's, here's number five. Here's the last thing. If I could go back and start over again, I would find a mentor right, right off the bat. That would have been something that I would have really sought out. I would have started with the end in mind. I would slow down and not go so quickly, try to, try to learn along the way. I would have listened more and talked less. And then fifth, I would have been really intentional to build a team around me. And I did not do that. There were a couple of folks in place when I got there. Some of those folks left because the bridges got burned and, and there were other parents who were kind of plugged in and involved. And as the ministry grew, even with five kids, um, I needed some other folks to be able to pour in and invest. And I needed other, I need kind of a community around me to champion around those students. So regardless of the size of your ministry, you need help. You need a team around you and you've got to recruit good, solid leaders to come alongside, um, and do that. And, 
We've talked a lot about that. I've written a lot about that on the blog. We do the Building the All-Star Team course back in the fall. Probably going to be doing a course on recruiting leaders coming up soon, kind of working on some of that now. Um, But you've got to build a team around you. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. But I'm going to give you just a few principles on that. Be intentional with who you recruit. Uh, Be very intentional with who you recruit. Don't just stand up in front of the church and say, hey, I need somebody to come work with our teenagers. You will get wackos and people who you don't want working with your teenagers. So be really intentional with who you recruit. Always recruit on vision and not need, which goes back again to what I said a moment ago. If you don't know where you're heading, you don't really know what you're asking people to do. Um, So if you're recruiting on need, you're kind of, here's the example I always give. Recruiting on need is like sitting in a, a ship on a boat that, uh, there's holes in the in the in the floor of, and it's sinking, and you're just looking for people to come on board and plug the holes. That's need. We really need an eighth grade small group leader. Would you would you pray about doing that? Because that's what we do. We guilt we spiritually guilt people in. We really need somebody to come teach our eighth grade boys. Um, would you do that? Would you pray about do that? Um, that's that's need. That's filling a need. That's that's the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it is to recruit on vision. So if if I were recruiting for our eighth grade boys group, I would come in and I would I would probably approach somebody and say, hey, listen, man, God's doing so much in our student ministry right now, and we're watching God begin to move and shape the lives of our men, our young men, our boys. And it's such a crucial age for us. I'm so excited about what God is doing in their life and what's coming ahead for them. And I'm really looking for loving adults to come alongside and help that. And I just want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing already in the lives of these students. And I'd really like for you to pray and consider come along and being a part of, of what's happening. That's, that's vision, right? That's vision. That's, that's not need. Um, that's, that's recruiting on, on vision. And that makes a huge difference in how you recruit and who you will get to, um, to come and serve along, alongside you. So, you know, be intentional with, with who you recruit. Recruit on vision, um, not on need, um, and and we that's the one we mess up a lot. We put a sign up thing, we put it in the church bulletin, or we wherever we just we need we need Sunday school teachers for our youth group, or we need this, or we need that, and none of those folks ever stay. In my experience, none of those people ever stay. Uh, personal ask is always much better than and on vision versus need, way more effective always always more effective. Um, and so, so do that. And then third, I would say always be recruiting, always be recruiting. Don't wait until you've got a hole to fill. You know, you can always use more adults pouring and investing in the lives of your teens. I don't care how big your youth ministry is. You can find something for other people to do. And this also goes to the, to the next thing I'll say, which is start with parents first. Start with parents first. They have the greatest investment in the lives of those students that you have and you're serving. They have the most to lose in that, um, and they desperately need to be around their kids. Their kids need to see them serving. And even back in episode seven with Steve Parr, we talked about what keeps kids from graduating, and that was one of the things that Steve mentioned is mom and dad were serving in the church somewhere. And so start with parents first, um, not last. And if you'll do that, I think you'll find you, you've got to build a culture where parents are not just welcome, they're wanted and that they know it. And so 
starting with parents as you recruit your team and your leaders is really, really helpful. Okay, so let me give you those things again. Number one, if I go back and start over, I would find a mentor. Number two, I would start with the end in mind and work my way towards that. I would slow down, number three. I would listen more and talk less. And number five, I would have been really intentional to build a team around me. And I think had I done that, it would have it would have been much more successful for me. Now I'm not saying those years were all bad. They were they were not. Um, I learned a lot, but certainly I could have been way more effective in that. And I think I would be further further down the road with where I am now in my ministry as well as uh, if I had kind of been more intentional at the front to do some of those things uh, when I was first starting out. So I hope you find that an encouragement to you and some things to think about and evaluate in your ministry as you look around and kind of see where you are, regardless of how long you've been in that. And, um, and of course, I want to give you a resource for, um, for this podcast. That's a big thing for me. I want to give tools and resources for you. If you've not yet done it on the, on the blog right now, um, I've got, uh, if you go to, the, if you go to longerhall.com, you can uh, go there and get the five tools I'm using right now to manage your ministry. Um, I'm a, I am a tool junkie. I admit it. I'm always looking for new resources, new tools to help me manage things and be more efficient, be more effective. And so I've got the list there, the five things that I'm using to manage my ministry. And so head over to longerhall.com. Um, you can see that right in the sidebar. You can click there and get access to that and grab those. Um, and then also, I want to let you know, my friend Aaron Hellman, who has been on the podcast, um, has launched a course there through his blog, Smarter Youth Ministry, uh, on fundraising. And I just think this is so important, such an important element for ministry. We never seem to have enough money, right, to to do that, to do what we feel like we need to do. The budget's never quite there and it seems like fundraising is just inevitable. Like, it's the thing we all love to hate, but it's the thing that we have to deal with so often. And it's just, there's a right way to do that, and there's a wrong way to do that. And Aaron does a ton of stuff, writes a ton of stuff on um, burnout there. He was on uh, in episode eight talking about just the busyness of teens and families and what do we do with that. But he has just uh, launched a new course there to help you figure out fundraising. And I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Aaron does some top-notch stuff. He is super smart, mentors a ton of guys. The blog is phenomenal. And this course will save you so much headaches in trying to raise the money and, and do the fundraising. And it will help you in knowing how to more effectively, more efficiently fundraise. And so it'll save you more than the you, you will easily. I mean, the core the price of the course is not much at all, and you will you will get that and then some in value. It's underpriced in my opinion, to uh, for for that. But super helpful. Listen, you're gonna have to fundraise most likely if you're in youth ministry, and so how do you do this effectively? How do you fundraise with and actually make money? Not spend hours and hours slaving over something to come out with like a few hundred bucks, and so. The course is there. You can go to thelongerhall.com slash fundraising, thelongerhall.com slash fundraising, and that will take you there to, so you can see what that's all about and check it out. Really, give it a look and, and see if, it, it's, if it's a good fit for you and if it's what you need right now. I think you'll find it really helpful 
as well as everything else that Aaron puts out. So, so good. Um, so head over to longerhall.com, grab the five tools that I'm using to manage, manage my ministry right now, as well as uh, the course there on fundraising that Aaron Hellman is putting out, thelongerhall.com slash fundraising. And if you're enjoying the podcast, man, I would appreciate so much for you to head to iTunes and leave a review. It helps me so, so much in the ranking, especially so that other youth pastors and youth workers can find the podcast and get the helps that we have here. You can go to thelongerhall.com slash iTunes, and that will take you there, and you can write and leave an honest, just leave an honest review about the podcast. You know, I'm not afraid of, of criticism there. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. Really helpful for me in making the podcast better, as well as encouraging for me as uh, we podcast and continue uh, to put out the podcast each week and uh, and the blog as well. Thank you so much for listening. Also, grab your free trial, the free month trial and download of audible.com especially. I think you'll find that very, very helpful as well. And I think that'll do it. That'll put this episode in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in today for all you do for teens and families and the youth ministries that you serve. Stay the course, my friends. You're making a huge, huge difference. With that said, we'll see you, we'll see you next week. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.